Let's look back on another eight-game day in the NBA on Thursday. The Detroit Pistons somehow lose the unlosable game. The streak continues. Big games, injuries. Let's talk about it all in this show. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and your boys are question on the bar exam. I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball on TikTok at redrock underscore b-ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepix.com slash locked on NBA and use the code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Yes, be a double banger. If you listen on audio, we love to have you. Jump over and watch the video. If you're on video, in the chat room, in the comments, download the audio version as well. Double bang it up. It's how we all like to live. Let's talk about the action from Thursday because there were uh, a, an unusually large amount of games. Obviously, Christmas and the schedule screws it up. We had eight games on a Thursday. It's a lot to talk about, so we're going to talk about it. Some quick updates about tomorrow if you haven't caught it. Kyrie is out for the Mavericks, as per usual, and Josh Green as well. But now Dante Exum and Luka Doncic are out too. So their guards are Tim Hardaway, um, Jaden Hardy, and maybe Seth Curry, who's currently questionable. We saw Hardy go absolutely crazy in some of these spots last season. And when I did the Look Ahead show earlier today, I talked about him sort of as an interesting stream guy, and then they ruled Exum out as well. So that just opens everything up for, for him. He's the big opportunities here in this one game at least. Jimmy Butler's out again, second game in a row. A bit of a red flag there. Ruled out a day in advance after missing Wednesday too. Hope that's okay, but it still opens up. Now, we don't know what they're going to do. Like, Are they going to start Love, Martin, Huckers? Which of those, which two of those three will start? Highsmith played 30 minutes last game. Like, I don't know. It's going to be pretty confusing, I think. But some opportunities opening up. And then, later on in the day, Yusuf Nurkic has been ruled out for Phoenix with pers- for personal reasons. So there are two gigantic... Gigantic stream options opening up for Friday with six games on. Jaden Hardy, one of the biggest ones out there. Well, I'm talking just single-day streamers outside of the longer term, like your Grayson Allen type players. Jaden Hardy pops up for one game, and Drew Eubanks pops up for one game. Like two, let's say, top 60 players on the day, perhaps. Maybe even higher. That could pop up on Friday. So I wanted to make sure you, you got that information. Like very clear one-for-one one Eubanks replacement of Nurkic and Hardy's going to have to do There's no one to shoot. There's no one to dribble. There's no one to pass. And now that in Exum being out as well, like it's Derek Jones, Grant Williams, Dwight Powell and Hardaway. They're going to take 30 shots each, Hardaway and Hardy. Oh, the Hardaway and Hardy combo. What, what, a, what a grouping that is. But yeah, I, that could blow up in our face clearly, but it's, um, it's looking interesting, isn't it? Let's look at some waiver wire trends. Over the last 24 hours, we're always going to look at this part as the most added players over the last 24 hours. So who were they? Um, The number one most added player, I was a little surprised to see he was the most added player today, considering that big game was two days ago, but that's where we're at. Trace Jackson Davis up 29%. I guess people tried to get a stream in today, then add him for tomorrow. They play again on Monday, the Warriors. 
We'll see. Big, big, big game to watch to see where he fits in, but he's up 29%. Taylor Horton Tucker, well, sometimes it just happens, doesn't it? Again, it's one of those ones that confuses me a little bit. Horton Tucker was an ad basically like, I don't know, as soon as George and Clarkson were both out, Horton Tucker was the guy to stream in an ad. And a lot of people rushed to grab him today, apparently. Uh, I guess they were chasing his last performance, and then he got ruled out. So if you did add him last minute, it burnt you, clearly. I still think he's worth holding until George comes back. Jaden McDaniel's up 8%. He had a pretty good game yesterday. I, I, I don't buy that outside of streaming. Norman Powell, he's actually putting together a really strong run. And this is one of those ones where the next one, the, the top added player, and I think it's, it is worth delving into. It's one of those ones where the ad doesn't, the process makes no sense, and the result was perfectly brilliant. Zach Collins up 7%. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell, I'll tell you why now. Because the logic in it is not there. Zach Collins had a great game last time out with no Wemby, and Wemby returned. So Collins has played basically exclusively backup. Wemby plays 30 minutes. Collins plays 18. That was chasing his big performance last time. And you know the key phrase, you don't get last game stats when you add them after that game. But then for some reason, out of nowhere, we didn't get told this. Wemby was on a minutes limit, played 22 Collins played 26 and went crazy. So it turns out, look, what a brilliant move. I added Zach Collins, but it wasn't. But the pro- again, the re- do you, I guess it comes down to, do you believe in process or, or results? Because I, I like to believe in process, even though the process here um, didn't give you the result. So it worked out. We wouldn't bank on it moving forward. We'll talk more later. Contavious Co-op Pope up 7% as well. Absolutely no idea why. Why? Why are we adding him? I guess it's for tomorrow with only six games on uh, and just uh, streaming in some steals. I hope that Zach Collins' point makes sense because I, I don't 100% remember what I said. I, I know I said that he was a drop and then Wemby went out and then there was value. And I said, maybe let's just hold to see that it's confirmed that Wemby is in. Then, of course, Wemby was in. And to me, that's just like, okay, if I need to move on, I move on. But, you know, here we are. The most dropped players. Caleb Martin down 18%. Yeah, the last two games have been frightful. And Butler's out again here, but Kevin Love returns. I still don't know what the hell to make of this rotation. Like Kyle Lowry played 14 minutes. Highsmith played 30 after playing 14 the game before. So the top two drops there are uh, Martin and Lowry. And they could both be in the best waiver ads for tomorrow. That's possible too. I don't know how to, what to make of it. Slam and Sammy Hauser down 13%. He was just a schedule stream, so good on you. Mitchell Robinson down 11%. Unfortunately, Mitch won't be taking from here. He's out for the season. I don't know why I wrote him like this. I don't know what that spelling mistake is. Nitch Richards. Um, down 10%, short-sighted, I believe. Yes, it was only 21 minutes last game, but while doubtful legend Mark Williams is still doubtful, I'm doubtful that you should have dropped Nick Richards. Yes, it wasn't a good game, but that, that to me is, especially down 10%, that is an insane move. That is crazy to have dropped Nick Richards in that many leagues. And Goga Badadze, DMP legend, down 9%. That one, the process probably was correct, and the result followed, followed along pretty nicely. We love to see when process uh, gets rewarded. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. It is the holiday season. I'm sure you're all acutely aware. If you're not, it is. We're here right now. And with BetterHelp, we can talk about things that we give gifts to each other and other members of our family. But do we actually take enough time to uh, give to ourselves or give ourselves the latitude to um, enjoy things and look after ourselves? Because that's like really important. And if you don't take the time to look after yourself, then how can you really look after others? I think it's a key thing that we all need to think about. So treating yourself to a day of rest, going easier on yourself during the tough moments, these are all things that therapy can help you get behind. 
you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a therapist who fits what you need. And if that doesn't actually work out, you can go and change your therapist at no additional charge. So in the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. That is betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA today to get 10% off your first month. That is betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. Okay, um, that's yeah, that's all that done. Oh, we can go into the games now. Yeah, congratulations. Let's do the first one, the Utah Jazz. With everybody out, they beat the sad sack Pistons. Of course they did. I thought this was the chance. I thought this was the um, I thought this was it for Detroit. Here's our opportunity. We're going to get in here, and we're going to get a victory against a Jazz team missing, like, just so many starters. No Keontae George, no Jordan Clarkson, Keontae George's replacement, Taylor Horton Tucker was out. No Larry Markinen, and they still couldn't do it. The Jazz win 119-111. Kelly Olenek, I, I don't understand how to figure this guy out. I don't understand these lineups either because Walker Kessler went to the bench and they started Olenek. I think some of it is they there's certain pairings with Markinen they like and don't like. And there is a distinct lack of passing and shooting on this team, and Olenek can fill those gaps when other guys are out. But Olenek turned the clock back to his days. Remember when he was with the Rockets and he was like a, a top 40 player in the fantasy playoffs? Maybe even higher. 35 minutes, 27, three and six, four steals, three threes, 63%. Like if we knew Olenek was playing 30 minutes a night, a 100% guaranteed must roster player. We just don't. Like he, would he play 19 minutes a game before this? He's okay to have, but I don't feel any level of confidence in this. Sexton continues to play pretty well. 19, four and eight. And honestly, getting four steals out of Colin Sexton's amazing. To me, Sexton's value is tied to Clarkson, not Keontae George. So as long as Clarkson's out, you roll with Sexo. And then Chris Dunn, the third string point guard, has 13, 5, and 10, two steals and a block. Me and Kingy tried to predict his stat line on the show earlier today on the live mailbag. We didn't get it, so you don't owe us a million dollars again, but we weren't too far away. Johnny Collins moved back to the starting lineup, went from low 20s in minutes to 32, 13 and 9, two steals and a block, which is fine as a, as a line. And I, I don't know what to make of this with Walker Kessler. 20 minutes, four points. But he had 10 rebounds and full blocks. I guess you can't complain a huge amount there. But the minutes, violations, violations? No, vacillations um, are frustrating. And, and I do think it is a marketing thing. And I'm pretty sure that when marketing returns next game, you'll get Kessler starting. But the Collins, Linick, Kessler moving back and forth is pretty annoying. We saw Taylor Hendricks back in the rotation with some players out. He had seven points in those uh, minutes. While Simone Fontecchio continues to be given a lot of minutes. I, I wouldn't say he's doing a lot with them. 16 points with four threes. That's just a deeper league. While Agbaji had 18 in his 33 minutes. I, I'm never going to fall for that one in 12s. I just don't. He's just not that guy. He's just not a guy that's going to produce good per minute value. Now, I, want to, I don't know. I don't think I need to really talk too much about the Pistons and rant too much because you all know what I think. Tom Gores is a putrid owner who employs a putrid bunch of Dutch ridering, rusty tromboning, backhanded yes-men, who um, basically, I, I say this allegedly, but is this like just a money laundering operation, allegedly? Because what are they doing there? I, I don't know what any of these players, or not these players, what these executives aren't telling his kids, Troy Weaver, his kid. What are they doing with this team? What are these decisions they make? I feel sorry for the players who do cop a lot of it, like, Cade Cunningham is not a franchise savior. I feel okay about saying that. Like, I don't think he's that. But it's not his fault they're losing these games. It's not Jaden Ivey's fault they're losing these games. It's not any of their fault that this shit show is occurring. It starts from um, your prison foreign legend, Tom Gores, who then overrode both Talum and Weaver to hire 
the players' coach relationship legend, Monty Williams, who alienates players at every stop, apparently, and pay him the richest coaching contract in NBA history at the time to take over this team, and now you can't actually do anything about it. You can't fire him. Tom Gore's not burning $70 million, the cost of two prison phone calls. He's not going to do that. Like he's, It's just, I don't know where to go with it. They benched Asar Thompson again, but they, like, there's, the players aren't blameless, of course. But the coach and the management, the management puts this team together. Troy Weaver should have been fired four years ago. I don't even know he's hired. He might have been hired three years ago. He should have been fired four years ago. And then the coach goes back to this double big nonsense. Bagley and Isaiah Stewart weren't the problem today, I don't think. But they're clearly not the solution. Why is Isaiah Stewart back at power forward? He played 32 minutes, 7-9 and nine with four assists. Took four shots, shot 75%. Like, it's not bad. Marvin Bagley, Marvin Bagley to the biggest level of any scene, seen anyone ever Marvin Bagley. Again, it's one of those ones where you start off, you look at the line, you go, oh my God. It's like the reverse Vince McMahon eyes meme sitting in the chair. You got 22 points, let's go. And then you go, oh, 0, 5, 0, 0, 0. And you go, can this guy do anything? Well, to be fair to him, 83% shooting is good. And it's not a terrible performance. But what's the point of Marvin Bagley? Like, honestly. With Bagley and Stewart playing together, Jim Wiseman had two points in 15 minutes. We can go ahead and jack him. Get that! On, a, well, on another shit note, Boyan Bogdanovich had eight points on 25% shooting. If this team actually turned down multiple first-round picks to trade him last season, again, another absolute horrible failure of management. To get positive, though, this is for the Pistons fans, to get positive. Really, two really big games from Cade and Jaden Ivey. Huge. Cade had 28-7, and seven, 10 assists, two steals and a block. He went six of seven from the line. He shot 46 from the field. That's like that's strong. Yes, the turnovers were high. He had some bad mistakes, I know. And then Jaden Ivey had 24, 5, and 7, three steals, two blocks, two threes, 56% shooting. Like, fantastic. But what do I do with this shit? Can I trust Jaden Ivey to keep starting when, um, you know, Monty Williams' favorite Killian Hayes returns? I don't know. 35 minutes is very encouraging. That line suggests, man, we've got to go and add him. But I don't know that that's true because I, I don't know what Monty Williams is going to do day by day, game by game. He's going to just revert to old habits, which are clearly working so well. So well. I don't mind a speculative ad of Jaden Ivey here. I also don't look at this team and go, well, they've lost 25 in a row. I better sell off my Pistons because they're going to shut things down and tank at the end. They don't need to do that. They don't need to lose games. They do it already. So I don't think there's any worry with that, personally. Also, my legs are all set up, so that doesn't become a problem. And I just... I don't think you can hold us, R. Thompson. Get that garbage out of here! It's not garbage. He's pretty good. But he is also, because of the hot start to the season, he, he's being significantly overrated by a lot of fantasy managers. I like him. I had him in the top five in the draft. I think he's going to become a very good player. But we've got to face facts. He, he just he can't be rostered at this point. Seven points, a steal and two blocks. The insane um, rebound rate from the start of the season is not there anymore. You just can't do this with Asai. You can't hold him. He didn't miss a shot somehow apart from a free throw, but I don't think you can hold on to him. Uh, Alec Burks barely played. Isaiah Livers looks terrible. The roster's shocking. Marcus Sasser lost minutes. I don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing. Will they get a win this year? It's, it seems a little bit unlikely, which is unfortunate. I, I do want Pistons fans to have, uh, have them be better, but yeah, we're not getting that. Today's episode is also brought to you by Prize Picks. 
PrizePix is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's also the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you up against the numbers. Instead of battling against thousands of people in every lineup, every contest, and all the pros and the sharks who slide in with their hours of research and their algorithms and spreadsheets, it's you versus player projections. That's all PrizePix is. They chuck up a player projection. You look at them and go, hmm, okay. I'll find between two to six of these. I'll look at them. I'll go more or less, and I'll just put them together. Entries are so easy and fast to do, and you can turn it into 25 times your entry fee in your winnings if you get them right. Simple as that. Multiple sports, multiple options, large range of different players, and different individual player projections for you to go in and check over on PricePix. So go to pricepix.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That is pricepix.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. PricePix is daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay, let's get back into the games now because that miserable one is over. Let's talk about the Pelicans and the Cavs. The Pelicans with a big win, 123-104, and we saw the thing happen again. Zion was out, and Trey Murphy started, and Trey Murphy was great. 28 points, six threes, four rebounds, three assists, one steal, a block, led the team in shots, so 63%. There's no one debating that Trey Murphy's a really, really very good player and really should start. My debate with his long-term value is, does he? Like, does he start? Will they bench Herb Jones to put him in there? Will they bench CJ McCollum? Will they bench Zion, Ingram? Probably not for any of those. Maybe Herb. And that's got to put some sort of a limit. And the two huge games that Trey has had this season have been Son Zion. So that leaves you in a conundrum. He should be rostered, yes. In a points league, not sure. 10 team points, wouldn't bother with it. 12 team, borderline. Categories, you should, but... It's going to be a little bit dependent on other players. McCullum just brought the defense back again, 18-6 and six with four steals and a block, while Valanciunas had 13-7-5. and five. He was a little under the weather in this one, so good to see him gut that out. While Ingram had 17-7-6, and six, but they didn't need to go super hard. It was just a very easy and comfortable victory. Another bad Herb Jones night, though. Seven points, no threes. The four assists are nice from Herb. He had a block with no steals on 43%. Missed his, uh, hit his only free throw. He is now 262nd over the last two weeks. And that's just not good enough. It's not. What do we do? Well, in points leagues... Get that garbage out of here. Yep, he's gone. You don't need to hold him. Category leagues, it is going to be really dependent on the state of your roster and how dependent you are, but you know the story when you rely upon defensive stats. They're not going to be there all the time. That's just how they work. And that really makes him just a complete hot or cold option. For the Cavs, they were doing this without Mitchell, Garland, and Mobley. And then flamethrowing legend Sam Merrill got hurt and didn't return after the first half. He also stunk. He didn't hit a single shot. And we thought, oh, maybe there's a little stream value here. Well, apparently not. There's a couple of things I don't really get what's happening with this team. Isaac Okoro was good, again. 16-3-4. I think he's a 14-team league guy, not necessarily a 12, but there's definite stream value in him. Well, Dean Wade went off, like, sure. 20 points, 9 rebounds, 6 threes, 2 blocks. Seeing a big Isaac Okoro and Dean Wade game in the same game is one of those things where you go, oh, variance gets you. Like, you're not going to bank on that and you're not going to react to it too much. But what I don't understand is why is Karis LeVert playing fewer minutes when the main guys are out than he was when they were in? We try to make a lot of decisions on this show, and I hope most of you do it in your fantasy lineups as well. We try and base a lot of it on logic. All right, LeVert played 29, 30 minutes, and now the two primary ball handlers are out. On this team, the two usage guys are out. Surely that means they lean on him more. Nah, nah. They, they, let's lean on Craig Porter and Dean Wade more. 
I mean, cool, you lost by 20. Was it because of Levert's lack of playing time? Don't know. Is Levert great? No. But the logic behind it is relatively confusing. I am going to hold Levert for now, but I don't know that that's going to last. Craig Porter, 11 assists in seven points in his 29 minutes. The Mitchell thing is not a long-term situation, so he should be okay. Um, and we don't have to worry about holding Porter, I don't think, long-term. Georgie Niang had 11 points with three threes, and that's uh, about all we need to talk about on that one. Let's go on to the next game. It is the Orlando Magic and the Milwaukee Bucks. Good win in the end for Milwaukee, 118-114. The Magic's sliding a little bit at the moment. Um, Cole Anthony, well, first of all, let's say who was out. There was no Markel Fultz and then no Jalen Suggs, so we got a real boost here to Cole Anthony. Also, no Joe Ingles. 33 minutes, 18, 11, and 6 for two steals. I, this, I can't keep track of this man either. He had this red-hot run where he's like a top 60 guy, and then he was getting 18 minutes, and I'm like, okay, fine. And now, 33 minutes and a great performance. I think largely that's because Suggs is out here, but I don't really know how to you know, work this out when Suggs and Fultz come back. I just can't see how Anthony continues to do this. So, is he okay to have? Sure. But I don't think it's a long-term thing. And the same goes with the centers. With this debate was going on for weeks about, hey, no, the Magic are killing it with Goga starting. Do you think he'll just keep starting? I was like, I don't really think that'll happen. He was the third string center. And whether he goes to the backup or back to the third string, I'm not sure. Well, he went back to the third string and played zero minutes, Goga Badadze. So, you can um, get rid of him. Get that garbage out of here. What I didn't expect was 27 minutes from Mo Wagner. Who, they look like they were phasing him out as well. He had 21 and 8, triple 1, elite percentages. Now, even including that game, he's 241st over the last two weeks. So he'd been stinking. And this is not a realistic minutes range for him. Franz Wagner, 39 minutes, 29, 6 and 6. Really strong game for him. But the big question, I guess, is going to be about Wendell Carter Jr. Because his first two games back have not been good. In fact, his whole season's been really bad. He's not even a top 250 player this season. 4 and 4 in 21 minutes. But... Again, he's played, what, five games? Not much. He hasn't played at all, really. These are his first two games back uh, from the hand injury, limited minutes. He's got somewhat of a track record of being a solidly unspectacular fantasy player. 100th best guy around that mark. That's okay. You don't, he's not going to blow us away with 20-point games. I still think he's comfortably a starting caliber NBA center. He'll push up and get 27 minutes and be much better than this. But I'm not going to give him all year for it. Let's have a couple of weeks here and see how long it takes you to get up to speed. Because these performances aren't it. They're not cutting it. They're nowhere near it. And maybe he's just lost it completely. I'm not willing to say that at this point. And having a little bit of patience, I think he's going to be important here. Paolo had 23-7-4. Didn't shoot well, but went 8-10 of 10 from the line. So that's a bit of a positive when you know that he's got the chance of uh, blowing it up and, and wrecking you from that area. There's not really a huge amount to talk about with the Bucks. I don't think. We'll just talk about what happened. Lillard had 24-5-8. Yanni had 37-10-6 with two blocks, but unfortunately, he was bad from the field. And when I say bad from the field, someone said to me, hey, you said uh, Anthony Edwards was subpar from the field the other day because he shot 45%. And like, yeah, that's not terrible for a guard, but from a fantasy perspective, it's below 50 and it's on a high volume and it, so it hurts. And that's the same as Giannis here. Like 46, 44% is actually not great, but on the volume that he shoots, it's really pretty destructive. And the same as him going 79 from the line. You go, okay, well, that's great for you. That's amazing. 79 from the line. We love that. What, what did he, was he overall? 15 of um, 19. Fantastic. But on 19 free throw attempts going below average, that kills you. It drags you down so far. That's why I, I find players who are um, high volume free throw guys who sit around 80% as being very risky in team construction. Because they might you might project them at 80.9%. 
and the league average is at 80, and they're on such a lot high volume because, wow, that looks great. That's going to really give me strength in free throw percentage. But if they go 78% on that volume, then that becomes a big drag, and it pulls your team all the way back down. So when they're sitting for both percentages, and the averages in 12 teams are 50 from the field and 80 from the line, rough guess. So if you've got guys on big volume sitting at those numbers, their ability to take you up and down and up and down and be unreliable in that category is something that I think is underreported. Leaky Beasley, underreported, who am I? A newsbreaker. Um, Malik Beasley, 28 minutes for Leaky, eight points, two threes. I think we're okay with just moving on and considering him a stream. And Bob Portis was making me look a little silly with some big games in a row when I said, I think he's only a stream guy. And then this is why I said he was a stream guy. Six and eight, 21 minutes, steal on a block. Not that interested. Middleton had 14 and four, still only 29 minutes, and we want that to push up. Whether it does or not, I don't know. The next game was the Zach Collins masterclass. Didn't amount to a huge amount, but that is, uh, that's where we're at. The Bulls win it comfortably, 114.95 over the Spurs. Like I, like I said at the start, 28 minutes for Zach Collins, 14-9, two threes, three blocks. That is a fantastic performance. There was like a minute and 30 second crossover with Wembenyama, who was actually quite poor here. 22 minutes, seven and five, but he did add five assists, two steals, three blocks. But that's the thing, right? Unless you expect them to play a ton of crossover, which I don't think they will, or you expect Wembenyama to play 22 minutes a night, which I guarantee you he won't, there's just no path for Collins to do this. So it's great if you held him. It's great if you had him. You got a fantastic game out of it. But if you need to make decisions, bringing someone off IR, get a stream in. While sometimes in the short term you lose out by making a drop, I, I do think that it is leaning towards that being the correct decision. Devin Vassell had 21 in 31 minutes, which he needed because he'd been shit house. Big, big step forward here, which is great. Let's hope it sticks. Or Trey Jones. Yeah, we we just we don't need to hold Trey Jones. Get that garbage out of here. I don't think they're ever going to put him into a starting point guard role because they don't believe he's a starting point guard. They they just don't. So many signals have told us that. It could happen at some point, but everything again that we've seen suggests that he isn't. And the horse, Keldon Johnson, this is the old horse. 11 points, no threes, no steals, no blocks. 38 from the field and 33 from the line. 11-6-2, doesn't cut it. He'd been absolutely rolling, so we give him a bit of a pass here. Let's hope there's nothing that's permanent regressing. Sohan had 9-7-2. We're only looking at him as a schedule guy. And Branham had 13-6. Again, more of a 14-team league player than anything for the Bulls. There was no Levine, of course. So Alex Caruso started 22 minutes, only eight points. But that's not really the point. It's not really anything that bothers us too much. Three steals and three threes and a blowout. They sat him down on the back-to-back, so that's good. And we do have to have Pat Williams, I think. 31 minutes, 18, 4, and 2. One steal, one block, two threes. And I am fully, fully prepared for Pat Williams to absolutely turkey slap us with one of the worst games you've ever seen in the next one. Four points, nine shots, one rebound. I'm, I'm expecting it. In fact, I'm prepared for it. I'm so ready for my body to take it. But we just have to have him. I added him about two and a half weeks ago, I think. And I think you just need to... He's still available. You've got to go do it. Kobe White wasn't at his best. But that's fine. When you're dropping 22, 6, and 5 with two three shots, 67%. And DeRozan had 21, 4, and 5. But one of the big things in this game is what the hell happened at center? My main, my main? Well, who am I? Bloody Terrence Howard. Um, 16 and 5 in 27 minutes for Vooch. 27 minutes. Another subpar percentage night. He has been um, disappointing. Actually, that's not true. He's been exactly what I thought he would be. He has been better since Levine has been out, but this was not a good game. And then he lost minutes somehow to the big avocado. Andre Drummond played 19 minutes. He had 12-8 with five steals and two blocks. And Kingy told me this this morning, this bastard. He's like, all right, he's up against me in the industry pickup. He's like, oh, I had to stream in Andre Drummond to um, 
to try and compete with you in rebounds. Well, okay, good move. Good luck. And then he gets this, 12-8 and eight with five steals and two blocks to swing the matchup. I don't think I'm going to beat him now. Thanks to Andre Drummond. Kingy, you're a legend. What an, what an amazing pickup. Completely pulled it out of your ass, clearly. But what, a, what on earth? That is amazing. There will be some of you, and I know this because I've seen it. There will be some of you who go, hmm, what's happening here? Is this a uh, time timeshare? Are we getting benched? No, I don't think that's the case. I'd like to see either hear the coach say it or see a regular pattern of it emerge versus a one-game thing. But what we do know, and if you do have deep league stashing ability, Drummond is a stash because if Vooch gets injured or traded, Drummond puts him up, man. He can put him up. And we saw the evidence there very, very clearly. The Indiana Pacers in the next one, they lose to the Memphis Grizzlies. Ja Morant, six, or Ja Morant, 116. He didn't score 116. The Grizzlies scored 116. The Pacers scored 103. And this is the other one. I should have had a siren prepared, but I've got it in my head ready to go. It's the buy low siren on Tyrese Halliburton. You know how many people said, Josh, what is going on with Tyrese Halliburton? Hey, what's going on? I am so concerned. Cool. That's your signal to go buy low. Absolutely. Is, oh, man, he's, absolutely, he's worn out from the IST. Maybe. But this is the signal to go and buy low on Tyrese Halliburton. This is why I spend so much of my day traversing through the piles of shit that is Twitter, is to hear people's comments and see people's comments and look through Reddit and comments and all that sort of stuff everywhere, YouTube, wherever it is to see these comments, to try and determine if there is a pattern developing. That's so much of what this job is about and me trying to source information as I can. And when multiple people, that's why I love you guys comment. I'm not always going to get back to you on stuff because I can't, there's too much of it. But I love you guys leaving these comments because it does lead, I think, to overall, um, overall information that I think I can then disseminate out. Sure, it's not a great stretch from Halliburton. Am I worried? Not even in the slightest. I'm not doing any, like, people's immediate reaction a lot of the time is like, gee, my guy's struggling. What should I do? Trade him away? Uh, 100% no. Your immediate reaction should be, oh, this guy's struggling? Hmm, cool. Oh, it'll get better soon. Not like, oh, he's really shit at the moment. Should I just dump him? Again, it's the opposite of the let's chase the big free agency performance. You don't get the big free agency performance when you add a guy off the waiver wire. Same as when you trade a guy away that's slumping, you don't remove all those slumped games off your slate. They're there. They've happened. They're done. You can't change them. You're not going to be like, well, now that I've traded away Halliburton, all of those pass numbers just revert back to his averages, and I'm set. I get some retroactive, retroactive wins. It doesn't work that way. As you're well aware, but sometimes our brain does stupid shit to us. Shout out to brains. Um, if you've got them. Halliburton had 17 in 38 minutes with 14 assists. Like, we still got 14 assists and two threes and four rebounds. One thing that is interesting is steals are way down, but what, what do we know about steals? Let me consult my tattoo. Steals are the most variable. Yep, there we go. Steals are the most variable category year on year. Very hard to trust them. And he just shot poorly. The buy low siren is blaring. It's blaring. And when you hear the buy low siren, you've got the player, you don't trade him away. What else do we need to talk about? Miles Turner played 36 minutes, 15 and 6, one steal, four blocks. That's great. And this was with Jalen Smith out. And Isaiah Jackson played 12 minutes. Isaiah Jackson on our advanced roster percentage metrics up to 47%. Holy shit. See you later, mate. Get that garbage out of here. And TJ McConnell, who had been a great streamer, then out of nowhere, Andrew Nembhard returned and McConnell played four minutes. Get that garbage out of here. Two points, one assist for TJ for with four minutes. As soon as Nempard was back, it was a little red flag as to what TJ would do. And Tim is cooked, and we stream him back in next time. And been waiting nine weeks, but I think we need to do it with the shark. Get 
Take that garbage out of here. 28 minutes, 4-4-2 four, four, and two for Bruce Brown. Move on. I'm sure many of you already have. I'm stubborn. I'm st- I was still there. I'm not anymore. Good game from Toppin. 22 points with five threes. He had two steals. I, I honestly just don't care outside of streaming. It is a good game, though. But Aaron Neesmith, let's have a bit of a convo about him because 28 minutes is great. Four steals, three blocks, four threes. I find it hard to get excited about a low-usage bench player playing 28 minutes, especially, again, if I added Neesmith after this. And I have Neesmith in deeper in like my 14-team league. I've got him, right? But I'm not getting four steals because I added him today. He's not this player. He's very good, and he's turned himself into a very good defensive forward. But he's not going to get this all the time. It is also really important to note that the vast majority of Aaron Neesmith minutes comes at power forward. The vast majority for him is at power forward. He's not eating Benedict Matherin or Buddy Heald or Bruce Brown as a general rule. He plays mostly, nearly exclusively, as a power forward. So they can play him at the three. Obviously, that can happen, but it hasn't really. It did a little bit in this one. We saw Toppen play the 28 minutes, um, but basically he plays as a four. If I have a look at my lineup data on Neesmith, I've got him for the season with um, 15 minutes at small forward, 15% 15 of his minutes at small forward, and 85 at power forward. So there's where the minute split looks. So I guess... um, I guess when we're talking about his value, it's not necessarily tied to Brown. Matherin, six points in 19 minutes. It's why I cannot recommend him as a must-roster player. There'll be some good games, but there's just not enough consistency in that. Well, Bud Heald had 15, 6, and 4, two steals and five threes. Good game from Heald, who had been struggling, but his last two were really good, and that's good to get them back on track, and he probably should still be on a roster, even though, again, there's quite a bit of variance in what he's been doing for the Grizzlies. The Jar Morant train sort of rolls on, but actually, this is, this is a great indicator for Jar. Because we saw him go crazy game one, and I said, hey, try and see what you can do. Can you sell high? He was seventh after one game on a per-game basis. He's 31st now. I think it's still going to fall away a little bit. We know what he is as a fantasy player. 20 and five, eight assists, 44 from the field, five or six on the line, no defensive stats. That's John Morant. That's it. That's him. He's great. It's good to have him back. Love him as, as a player. He's electric to watch, but for fantasy, we sort of know where he fits, and we got it back in business here. Well, Jaron had 21 and eight, and Baino had 31, six, and seven good games from all of those guys. The rest of this roster continues to be a big, like, eh, I don't know. And Marcus Smart's still got to return. Vincey Williams played 35 minutes. The Grizzlies, I was talking to, uh, not talking, tweet, uh, Keith tweeted this out, Keith Parrish, Fastback Breakfast, tweeted out today about the Grizzlies announcers having shit-ass nicknames for Vince Williams. I said, like, what are they calling him? Like, I, Mr. Relevant or Relevance. Uh, uh, uh. uh. What the fuck is... Oh, my God. And he goes, let's, let's do something with his nickname, like on the VW. That's his initials. VW, Volkswagen, it's called the bug. Oh, I don't like that, Keith. That's pretty good. And my usual thing on a nickname is to try and... You take it two or three steps. So VW, cool. That is Volkswagen, of course, which means the people's car in German. Um, and then, okay, well, we're not going to do uh, Nazi references. We're not going to go that. We're not doing that one. Um, so you take the people's car, and that turns into like community-level transport. All right, that's people's family. Okay, so then what's a community transport? Taxi? Uber. All right, let's call him Uber. Uber Vince Williams. There you go. Is that a long Is that a long pier, a long runway, a long run-up to get to a very mediocre nickname? Yeah, but that's how you get these weird things. Shout out to the koala, Evan Mobley. So as for Vince Williams, 35 minutes, two points, but three steals and a block, and he's been good enough to maintain a rotation role, but not as a 12-team player, probably more 16-team. And the center rotation, the answer to this is I don't know, and I probably don't care. 
17 to Biombo, 21 to Tillman. Unless someone gets 28 minutes, don't worry about it. Zaya Williams had 16 in 18 minutes, and Aldama had 13 in 25. You're obviously jacking Aldama, and you're not adding Zaya Williams pretty obviously. This show has already gone too long, as I'm telling stories about Volkswagens. Let's talk about the Clippers. Big blowout here. The Thunder win, 134 over 115. No Kawhi, no Clippers, I guess. And there was a very interesting development here. Obviously, Kawhi, he, he hurt his hip at the end of the last game. I didn't think it was anything serious, but he sat this one out on a back-to-back. I think he'll be okay. But when Paul George is out, Russell Westbrook didn't change his minutes really at all. When Kawhi was out, Westbrook played 30. He had 15 and 13, which is obviously pretty good, with four assists. It doesn't change my opinion on whether Westbrook's a rosterable player, because he isn't. But it was just interesting to see this game tilted him into bigger minutes, not the Paul George absence games. Jimmy Harden had 23, 9, and 6, three steals and a block. Go check Harden's block numbers this season. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. Back to his like peak Houston days. And Paulie George had 22, 4, and 4. And Norman Powell continues to be a really good point streamer. He had 16 of them with four threes. And the Farmers Union, Amir Coffey, had 9 in 33 minutes. He fills in. He started. But, you know, this is just deeper league stuff. Not a great one from Zubats. In fact, some might say shithouse. 6, 3, and 3 in 17 minutes. But, you know, he's been really strong in most games. Just a weird one all around. For the Thunder, speaking of weird ones, what's Chet Holmgren doing? Yeah, he had 7 of a particular stat, and it wasn't blocks. It was assists. He's doing this now? Uh, okay. 23, 6, and 7 with two threes on 82%, while Shea had 31, 8, and 4, four steals, two blocks, and one triple. Good stuff from Gildas Alexander, 89% from the line on those nine attempts. Um, We love that as well. Look, he's been great. There's no debating any of this. He's been awesome. Also, a quick shout out. If I ever hear anyone on a podcast talking about this guy and calling him shy, that's an immediate, like, I don't think you know what you're talking about situation. Like, this guy's a top five MVP candidate. You got to know his name. You have to know his name. You can't not know his name. Uh, Lou Dort, regular scheduled big Lou Dort game, 21, 3, and 4 with three threes. Do you think I'm going to fall for it? Of course not. Absolutely not. While um, Josh Giddy played 14 minutes, and actually Giddy was starting to put together another good game. It would have been his third good game in the last four, and it would have made me sort of rethink where we were with him. Unfortunately, he sprained his ankle. He had 11, 3, and 4 in 14 minutes, and we'll just wait to see what happens there. But, you know, if he was dropped, I wouldn't add him. And then the Bronco also sprained his ankle very start of the third quarter. He returned Jalen Williams 13, 4, and 7 with two steals. Again, nice assists, good steals. Still a little bit underwhelming with some of his stuff. If you want to know what to do with Giddy being out, they're going to start Cason Wallace, I'm guessing, who had two points, but you don't add him. The guy who probably is the add, and even then I'm not super into it, is Isaiah Joe. What it does is it put him, puts him into the Leaky Beasley three-point streaming, point streaming category, Norman Powell. He had 11 points, 3-3 is 25 minutes, but he won't be, I don't think, an absolute must-grab guy. It'll be Cason Wallace who gets the start, I'm guessing. More minutes for Joe. Maybe Trey Mann, maybe Vasily Micic gets in there as well. All right, let's do the next game. My voices are giving out on me, so I apologize if it starts cracking up or anything. Um, 117, no, 118 Minnesota, 111 for the Lakers. There was no LeBron, but Anthony Davis played on the back-to-back. He was limping around yesterday. Um, he, was, he was great. 31-8, and eight, four assists and three blocks. Continues to be really impressive. And with no LeBron, unsurprisingly, we got more D'Angelo Russell. But I'm really going to question the coaching decision here to just play... D'Angelo Russell, 11 more minutes than Austin Reeves. Russell's been shithouse. Reeves has been good. Now, Russell was okay here, but like, really? 17, 4 and 8, 2 steals, 3 blocks. 37% for D'Lo. Took 19 shots. He was 100% trending down towards being a 12-team drop. The only good games I feel like he's had recently have been the games that LeBron has been out, and that's a problem. 
Reeves only played 27 minutes, but he had 20 and 7, 5 assists and 2 steals. While the artist formerly known as Torian Prince, he's a top 100 player over the last two weeks somehow. 14 with 4 threes and 5 rebounds. I'm not adding him in 12, but he's at least in the 12, or sorry, the 14 team list and the 12 team stream up. We've got 37 Cam Reddish minutes. He had 8 points with a steal. No Gabe Vincent in this one. Vanderbilt still struggling along, 5 points. Sorry, 5 rebounds and scoreless. And Rui Hachimura replaced. LeBron James in the starting lineup, and he ruined his way to 18-5-0. This is what he does. You do not roster him in 10 or 12 or 14 or 16-team category leagues, and maybe you consider it in 16-team points leagues. But, of course, LeBron and Gabe Vincent will be back for the next game, and the rotation will be chucked around a bit. For the Wolves, the big question, or the big thing, the big talking point out of this game is something that we just don't know about. And that's Carl Anthony Towns, who left the game with a knee injury with about six or seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. He had 21-6-4, but that's really not important at this point. The update, the only thing we've got here from Chris Finch is saying that there's no update and hopefully it's not too serious. Yeah, exactly. We do hope it's not too serious. We just don't know now. So the question remains, or the question is asked, what do we do? Last season, the ad was very clearly Kyle Anderson- and Kyle Anderson was great for us. Kyle Anderson has been bad this season. I think that both Kyle Anderson and Nas Reed become 12-team ads if Towns was going to miss. Which one do I prefer? Honestly, to me, it's a coin toss. I don't know. But what I would say in argument to that is if Towns is fine and doesn't miss any games, or misses like two games, Reed has a safer floor to provide value if Towns returns, whereas Anderson doesn't. So if you're making a decision that way, it probably is Reed. Now, Reed would end up getting those 14 minutes clearly as the backup center behind Gobert, and then he gets some minutes at the four as well. Whereas Anderson would probably start, play 29 a night, 30 a night, and be really good. It could also be completely useless because Towns might not miss any time, but it could be a move. And we are all about on this show, usually. I like to have patience on holding guys through slumps, but I'm also about like trying to get ahead of things when I see something happen. And that's why having the balls or the, you know, what would you like to call it? Quejones or the, I don't know, testicular fortitude. Or I don't know, what's a, what's a female version of testicular fortitude? I feel like that's a bit sexist of me. What's, what's a female version? Of, I, I don't want to say something completely rude. I'm sure there's something. Um, oh, anyway, I, I, won't, I won't be that rude. What is it? What is the female version of that? Anyway, it doesn't matter because... You, that's why you have the balls. Like, do I need Bobby Portis? Do I need Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, Contavious Caldwell, Pope, Malik Beasley? Do I need Norman Powell? Do I need Russell Westbrook? The answer is no to any of those. You don't need any of them. When they're the back-end guys on your roster, when an opportunity arises, even if it doesn't work out, you do it. That's how I like to approach this. So, Towns, hopefully, everything is fine. But if it's not... I'd like to have made the move now versus waiting four days and then the diagnosis comes out and the question is, hey, dude, do I add now? Like nearly, and this is the difference between like competitive leagues and ones that aren't as competitive. It's not about how good the draft is. It's not about any of that stuff, how good your trades are. It's about how quickly do you make those moves? And if your league is not as competitive, getting on top of these moves early, even if they don't work out, your opportunity cost is so low. That's why you do them. So what do I do? Reed or Anderson? I consider both. Read a safer floor. There you go. Edwards had 27, 7, and 5 with three steals and a block. That's awesome. Conley, 16 with eight assists. And Gobert had 15, 13, three blocks. So just good lines all around. Anderson's was pretty solid. 9, 5, and 4 with a steal and a block. While McDaniels dropped back to being... And this is another one. If I had Jaden McDaniels on my team, like you might think that his value might 
soar with Towns out. I don't know that it does. In fact, we have 50 games of sample size last season to tell us that it doesn't. But if I had, like McDaniel sitting at the end of my 12-team roster, dropping him for Anderson or Reed probably makes sense, honestly, because they've both got friendly fantasy games and McDaniels doesn't. Now, maybe McDaniels does something different this season. He becomes that guy. I'd like to see that before I believe it. Yeah. There we go. And then just so I hit pause on that, I saw a report coming through. It says Towns is not walking with any type of limp in the locker room. I'll continue to, because as you know, I record these things sort of throughout the day after the game. So I'll come back to this later on in the show if there is any more updates. But that is a positive sign at this point. All right, let's do the final game of the night where there were some very, very big, very chunky fantasy lines. The... Um, what was the final score on this one? I think my score on my screen is wrong here. Uh, the Wizards win at 118. The Blazers won 15. Big win for the Wizards. Clutch time victory down the stretch. Though I did get... I'll probably talk about this right now. We did get that extra update on Towns that I mentioned. They said that he was not walking with a limp in the locker room. So good news there. So what we know is Chris Finch said that we don't know much, no update, but we hope it's not serious. And then the next report was he is... Um, not walking with a limp in the locker room. So some good good news there. Again, Reed, safer floor. Anderson, probably the better guy long-term. If Towns is out, but it doesn't appear that Towns is going to be a long-term, a long-term absence. Reed is likely most, rostered in most leagues uh, as well. All right, so looking at this um, wizard side of things, getting the good win here over the Blazers. Disappointing loss for the Blazers, but I'm sure at the end they probably don't care too much. Let's talk about my man. This is the guy that I've got on more rosters than anybody this season, Dan Gafford. And it was a bit of a shaky start to the season for the big fella. 31 minutes, fouled out, 16 and 8, four steals, six blocks, 70% shooting for the locker room legend. What a game. He has been playing very, very well of late. And one of those things that, again, people will always complain about him. Oh, he only had 10 points. We'll look at these 27 minutes. And my thing was always, you got him to get rebounds, a couple of blocks. You got him to get really good field goal percentage, and he was delivering it. And now he's doing a little bit more. So I don't think he's a particularly good player. I don't think he's a guy that is a long-term future starting center in the NBA, but that doesn't really matter. The process on drafting Gafford this season was, he's got a good fantasy profile, and there's no one else. There's no other centers here. And that's working out okay. Kuzma, nice game. Good bounce back with the field goals as well. 32-8-6 on 50%. While the hot streak for Tyus Jones continues, the sell high is wide open. 24-3-3 with five threes on 60%. He's on a massive hot streak with his shooting numbers as well. And Denny Avdia did bounce back. I cautiously put him on the list of guys that, hey, they must roster uh, on the waiver wire show. I said, I'm not, I'm not super sure about this, but the projections are all spinning it out. And there we go. 13-11-6, so that worked out nicely. And then Jordan Poole. What do we say about Jordan Poole that hasn't already been said before? If you want to look on the negative side, he was shithouse. All right? Easy to say. He continues to be a disappointment. He is a top 150 player this season, despite, you know, I know it's that's sh- shocking for where we drafted him. Um, but I look at this, and if you want to take positives out of it, if you want to hold on to something, you can look at it and say, all right, the bones are here. 34 minutes is a very good sign. Remember, part of the problem early in the season was he was playing like 26 minutes. And we're going, well, what, what's going on here? Why is he playing so little? The usage isn't where you want it to be, only 23%, but... Part of, again, part of the appeal that I got wrong with Poole was I thought he could deliver assists. He got six of them. I thought he'd be really good from the free throw line. He went five of five, 100%. That's the outlines. The 13 shots, we want to be 17 or 18. We want him to shoot not 31%, but 42 or 43. 
And then that delivers us 20 points, two rebounds, two threes, six assists, one steal, and you're smiling. Unfortunately, it just didn't work. That, it doesn't work that way, does it? That's the positive side. The negative side is he's Jordan Poole, he's a clown, he's shit house, and he's annoying. All right, I get it. I am still holding. Disappointing to see 18 minutes for Bilal Koulibaly, who was getting like 30, 30, 30, 30, 30. It seems like any game that they are close to winning, they reduce his minutes, which is an interesting thing to do. I know they're not really going anywhere this season. I get it. And they should be prioritizing development. They are in every game they lose. But I would think you'd want Bilal out there a little bit in some of these games to give him some of that experience, clutch time stuff. I don't know. That up and down in the minutes means I probably don't want to hold him all the way through. And that talk takes us to Portland and we can easily segue, segue legend over here. We can talk about do we want to hold a rookie all the way through by going to the number three overall pick, Scoot Henderson? And, you know, I tend to set timelines on things about rookies and I've got a set pattern that I like to use on these things to evaluate and see what's going on with improvement. Scoot's one got set back because of injury and I said, all right, Christmas is probably our next reevaluation, Christmas, New Year's. That's like two days away for Christmas. They've got one more game in there, I believe. I think they play on Saturday. One more game in there before Christmas. I'm, I'm calling it. Just do it. Drop. Move on. See ya. Bye. Done. He might become better this season. I still do believe in him as a prospect. Less than I did at the draft. Very clearly less than I did. He has not been good at all, but I know that there is a history of point guards being better than this. But he sucks at the moment very clearly. Like He's not very good at all. 4-4-2, four, four, and two, missed all five of his shots. That is... It is official. Let's bring down the... I was going to call it the gavel, but let's call it the Jack Avil. Get that garbage out of here! See you, Scoot. I'll see you in March, maybe. Assessment time's here. The improvements haven't come. Sharp was out. It was all set up. You're gone. Bye. Simons was great. 38 minutes, 41-4-7 with seven triples, 54% from the field. Back on Scoot, great dynasty buy low. Buy him at the very lowest price. Um, DeAndre Ayton also even went to the line four times. He had 23 and 16 with a block and Jabari Walker stepped up eight and 11. I do think Walker's an interesting rotation piece for future seasons, but not much we care about here. Rough night from Jeremy Grant from the line, 57%, but 20 points with four threes gets it done. And then Brogdon started in place of Shaden Sharp and he didn't really deliver. 28 minutes, seven, two and four. He's a hold while Sharp is out. And then he's a jack after that. What we did see with Sharp out is that Matisse Thibault played 30 minutes. And it's one of the weirdest lines you'll ever see. Zero points. He missed all three of his shots and had four rebounds, two assists, three steals, and three blocks. And in points leagues, that doesn't really mean anything. In category leagues, it's a gem. He's doing what you want Herb Jones to do. Except Herb Jones isn't doing it. It's hard for me to get excited about Thibault when he's a 19-minute-a-night player on a healthy squad, but they're not healthy now because Sharp is out. And when Sharp comes back, I wouldn't feel that interested in Thibault, but that's really good. He played those minutes over Tamani Kamara, who got four and three in 18 minutes. I'm not saying that Thibault's a must-add player. I don't believe that he is. But he's at least now, if Sharp is out, he's more in the 12-team discussion than he would have been um, otherwise. And that's the games. That's eight of them for Thursday. Done and dusted. Let's look at the stream of the day recap. It's a very good start. Things are looking great at the start here. 10-team category stream. Alex Caruso. Only played the 22 minutes, but eight and three, three assists, three steals. I like that. That's pretty good. Not ideal for 10, but it's pretty good. 12-team streamer. Oh, Vince McMahon sitting back again. 18-4-2-1-1 for Pat Williams on a 12-team stream. Really don't think he could have done much better. Well, he could have with the guys that won the wave wire line of the night. We'll talk about later. The 14-team streamer. Oh, here we go again. Aaron Neesmith. 14-5-0. and zero. 
Four steals and three blocks. What a line as a 14-team stream of the day. Worked out brilliantly. And I'm going to guess it just continues on that way on the next page when we go to the other ones. It's, got, it's just got to be a clean sweep, isn't it? Oh, no, it's not. Because the 16-team streamer was Tim McConnell, who had two one and one and played four minutes. And the points league streamers were Taylor Horton Tucker, who played zero minutes. Yep. Cool. He was out. He was injured. That stunk. I talked about it at the start that, you know, he was under-rostered enough that you could have streamed him in. I would have added him already previously to that. But yeah, that's a killer. You couldn't know that because there was no injury that we knew of at all and it sort of came out of nowhere. But that is a killer and it's annoying and that is how shit goes sometimes, unfortunately. What should we do now? Oh yeah, it's time for us to do what? We haven't had one of these this season, but we've got one now. The monstrous line... Do you know what I mean, do you know what I mean by that? What are, what are you guessing that I'm saying? The monstrous line of the night is... The waiver wire line of the night is... The young gun of the night. We haven't had a triple banger. This guy's not even... He's, he's too good to even be a, a double banger. He's a triple banger. 25 loss legend, Jaden Ivey. 24 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, steals, blocks. Coming out the wazoo. He was excellent. Does that mean he's going to be excellent? I wish it did, but I don't think it does. It is still worth somewhat of an ad. Just to see, right? We always want to just to see. What can we get? Is this turning around? Probably not. Is it turn Monty Williams around? Probably not. Are we waking up tomorrow with a notification Troy Weaver's been fired? Probably not. But we'll see. Dud of the night. Who stunk it up the most? And you might have a disagreement with this, and that is okay. But the dud of the night is Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast favorite, the horse, Keldon Johnson. And when you see 11.6 rebounds and two assists, you go, that's not that bad. But brutalizing both percentages, no threes, no steals, no blocks. It's a terrible category league fantasy line. He was the dud. Max Drew's pretty close to him, to be honest. The top six players for today, who is on the list? The top player, of course, as you already know, is Jaden Ivey. He was number one. He won the monstrous line of the night. Good for him. Pistons won something. Hang that in the rafters. Number two was Kelly Linick, followed by Anthony Simons, Anthony Davis. Eh. I, mean, I don't know if that guy, this guy still listens. There was a guy who used to fight with me in my comments and tell me that I was kept mispronouncing Anthony Simons. Oh, you're calling him Anthony. Why aren't you calling him Anthony? His name's Anthony. You're calling him Anthony. Like, I'm very clearly not. I know how to say his name. No, nah, no, nah, you're definitely saying Anthony. All right, so Anthony Simons and Anthony Davis are three and four. Oh, yeah, it's the end of a week. Shea Gudis Alexander at five and the big fella, Big Dan Gafford, comes in at number six. Your top six players rostered in under 50% of leagues. Well, it's the top two players for the best line of the day, Jaden Ivey and Kelly Olenek. I don't know what to make of either of these guys. They can obviously do it. But it's minutes, distribution, it's dicking, it's consistency, it's all that stuff. I'd rather Ivy over Linux, but I don't feel great about it either. Dino Wade comes in. The Cavs' best ever D Wade, number three. Not adding him. Aaron Neesmith, he's actually playing at a really high level at the moment. It's on the back of very, very high defensive numbers. I think he's averaging 0.9 blocks and 1.3 steals over the last month, which is unbelievable for a guy that I think totaled 1.3 combined last season. It's huge. Does it continue? Not sure I put that faith in it, but... Absolutely is a 14-teamer and might, might be a 12. The next one's Mo Wagner. I don't buy into that. And Lou Dort, the streamer of all streamers. Your top six point league points league players. Number one is Shea, followed by Yanni, Danny Gafford, Anthony Davis, Cade Cunningham, and Anthony Simons. Hey, shout out to everyone the other day who um, gave me different examples of what Grant is short for. Granthony, Grantavius. <laughs> I loved him. Grant a million. I don't know. There were some really good ones. I appreciated it. Um, and then that will do it for that part. But let's just have a look at our quick takeaways, see how we 
see these ones. I do think that an ad of Kyle Anderson is okay. Again, might not work out. Towns might be okay, but I don't mind getting ahead of that. I don't think we could ignore Patrick Williams anymore. We've got to go and grab him. And then Jaden Ivey again. Production was there. Minutes were there. Pedigree is there. It's probably not going to work, but I don't mind it. I think we're done with Bruce Brown. You can throw Asal Thompson in there as well. And we're very clearly in the jack mode with Goga Badadze. Get that garbage out of here! Yes, we will get that out of here. Indeed. And that is the end of a big, big Thursday recap show. If you want to help the show out, be a double banger. Listen on audio, watch the video. And wherever you are, subscribe, thumbs up, comments, all that stuff helps the show immensely. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.